attention to the word of the Lord tonight. I realize it's a Wednesday evening, and I am going to be mindful of the time, but I do believe that tonight is going to be a beautiful night in the Holy Ghost, and I'm asking you to begin to prepare your hearts. Um, when we do take communion here in just a few moments, I'm asking it to be uh, received by those that are ages 12 and up. I believe that we have to have an understanding to the best of our ability, and it should not be taken lightly. Not that I'm trying to uh, exclude anybody, but you understand where I'm coming from. So parents, your children can participate if you feel to let them participate in the foot washing, to teach them what it's all about, uh, then that's fine. But uh, when it comes to communion here tonight, uh, let's please honor my request for 12 years and up. 1 Corinthians chapter 11, beginning with verse 23. Paul says, For I have received of the Lord that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, Take, eat, this is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. After the same manner also, he took the cup when he had supped, saying, This cup is the New Testament in my blood. This do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and the blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. For this cause many are weak and sickly among you, and many sleep. For the next few moments, I want to preach on this thought, Calvary's clear call. Calvary's clear call. There's a call that's still reverberating 2,000 years later from Calvary's heel. I believe that God wants to hear us, hear, help us hear it tonight. Amen. Lord bless you. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Calvary's clear call. I've said it before, the ultimate desire of God is to have relationship with his creation, the relationship between God and his bride is best described in the writings of the Song of Solomon. Many people avoid Solo the Song of Solomon because it's, it's so foreign, but it's a beautiful portrait of the relationship that God desires to have with his children. Because time and time again, Israel would turn away from the Lord. They would follow after heathen gods. And they would be the follow after the lust of their flesh. And, and that, that every time God was waiting, ready to forgive, ready to pardon, and ready to restore that relationship. That, that relationship that was marred. One could say the communion between God and man was destroyed because of sin. That time of intimate exchange that between God and man, that communion was violated. 
That day, the shedding of blood began to provide a covering for humanity, and never before was the covering so prevalent than the day that that death angel passed over Egypt. After the ten plagues, God gave instruction to Moses. He said, I want you to kill a lamb. Actually, between plague nine and plague ten, the instruction was given. Place the blood upon the doorpost. And the missing blood would mean that that death angel was going to pass over and the firstborn of Israel and Egypt was going to die. It wasn't just about escaping death. That blood was the covering over that family. It was about escaping Egypt, leaving the clutches of the world and stepping into the liberty that God desired for his people. This is what 1 Corinthians 10 and 2 says. And they were all baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Their exodus from Egypt was a type and shadow of what was going to happen in the New Testament. The Bible says all we like sheep have gone astray. All of us are born into a spiritual Egypt. All of us are born into that place of captivity. And without a spiritual exodus, the Bible says that we will die in our sin. And they were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. But once their unbelief died off, they received the promise of God by stepping into the promised land. Thus the Passover became an annual celebration or remembrance of what God did for his people. The death of the Lamb opened the door for communion with God. Can I tell you tonight when you jump from the, the, the story of the Exodus uh, and you jump all the way into the New Testament, uh, what, Calv- what, what, what the Exodus was and the Passover was uh, to the Old Testament church, uh, which was Israel. That's what Calvary is uh, to the New Testament church. Uh, it's our Passover. It's where that blood was applied to our life. It's where that covering was applied to our family. Hear me tonight, ma'am and sir. Calvary was not in vain, but there was a call that was being established that day, and it still asks us to listen to it. If you listen, you can hear Calvary say, remember me. Calvary was not in vain. Revelation tells us that Christ was the lamb slain from the foundation of the world. And Luke 22, we find Jesus is attending the Passover with his disciples. Don't you think for a moment it was coincidence that the crucifixion was at the time of Passover because he was not being executed. He was being sacrificed as a lamb for the redemption of all of humanity. And so he says with his disciples, he took the cup and he gave thanks. He said, take this and divide it among yourselves. For I say unto you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine until the kingdom of God shall come. 
And he took bread and gave thanks and break it and gave unto them saying, this is my body which is given for you. This do in remembrance of me. The cup represents the blood and the bread represents the body. And some people say that it literally turns into the body of Christ into your mouth and the, and the, and the juice turns into blood. It does not. It is symbolic. It's symbolic. He says, for as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do show the Lord's death till he come. Hear me while we gather this evening to take communion. We have got to remember that the only reason it's possible is because once the lamb was slain, the veil was rent because we had no hope. We had no opportunity. We had no access under that dimension of relationship with God. But because of Calvary, we get to walk as high priest in heavenly places. We get to go to places in the Holy Ghost that we were not supposed to be able to go. Calvary says, remember me. How do we remember Calvary? Communion. Communion. Because it brings afresh what happened to Christ's body. It reminds us about that blood that was so pure. The purest of all bloods that began to trickle down the dirt of Golgotha. And one drop of that blood was enough to purge all of the sin of the entire world. Let's talk about the bread. Remember the body. It became a mangled mess. And that prophet didn't know what was going to happen when he said, surely he had borne our griefs and he carried our sorrows. Yet we did esteem him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him. And with his stripes, we are healed. Hear me tonight, ma'am and sir. If God has ever touched your body, it's because he let men beat his body. If you've ever been healed of a headache, it's because he took your headache when that crown of thorns was placed on his head. If you've ever felt the heavy load of sin lift, it's because he took the heavy load of sin for you. When that bread hits your mouth, it's not a cracker on your tongue. It's Calvary saying, remember me. That body... That body, but but it wasn't about the body as much as it was about what was in the body. That blood, it started dripping. Never before had the earth soaked up blood so pure. Every drop, sins being forgiven. Blood washing people for as much as ye know that ye were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold 
from your vain conversation received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. The blood will still work without us taking communion, but communion brings our minds back to the cross. Everything we're fixing to do is in remembrance of what he did for us. As oft as you do it. He never said do it once a year. He never said do it once a week or once a service. There's no schedule. Let me tell you what I do know. When you don't do something a lot, you take it a whole lot more serious. We could do communion every week, but it would become ritualistic. You wouldn't nearly begin to think about what it is. You don't have to take communion to be saved. That's not in the Bible. It's not. It's not a, it's not a requirement for salvation. It's Calvary's way of reminding us of that lamb that took away our sins. It's, it's, it's God getting us to remember what he did for us. Oh, it's easy for us to remember all the good things. It's easy for us to remember all, all the miracles and all every time he healed us, but we don't, we don't stop and think about Calvary nearly enough. So communion tonight, we're going to think about Calvary. Hebrews 9, bear with me while I read some scripture, but Christ, being coming high priest of good things to come, by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, that is to say, not of this building, neither by the blood of goats and calves, but by his own blood he entered in once into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and goats and the ashes of an heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctify to the purifying of the flesh, how much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, purge your conscience from dead works to serve the living God. Verse 20 says, saying, this is the blood of the testament which God hath enjoined unto you. Moreover, he sprinkled with blood both the tabernacle and all the vessels of the ministry. And almost all things are purged by the law or, or, or by the law purged with blood. And without shedding of blood is no remission. It was therefore necessary that the patterns of things in the heavens should be purified with these. But the heavenly things himself with better sacrifices than these. Verse 27 And as it is appointed unto men once to die, but after this the judgment. So Christ was once offered to bear the sins of many and unto them that look for him shall he appear the second time without sin unto salvation. How do we look unto him? We remember who he is. We remember what he did. So what is the requirement? You stand with me. What is the requirement? given by Paul to take communion. Very simple. Let a man examine himself.
Paul said, if you're going to take communion, you first look inward before you look upward. You examine yourself. There's things that you need to ask God to forgive you of. There's circumstances or anything that's just underlying. It forces us to repent because not only are we looking at his body, he said, before you look at my body, you better look at your body. You better look at your temple and ask God for forgiveness. After that supper, Jesus offered one last lesson to his disciples placed a towel around his waist. He began to wash their feet. Normally, it was a servant's job. Yet Jesus was teaching them that the only way to go up was to go down. Why do we wash feet? You know, there's a lot of churches that don't do foot washing anymore. You know what else I noticed in churches? There's a whole lot more pride I see a trend. Some of the most powerful services I've been in was foot washing services. When you go, and I'll talk more about it in just a moment. When you go down before that brother and that sister here just a little while, you're not there to splash. and They're not at a spa. It's an act of humility. Something has to happen on the inside. A spirit of humility. If Christ could wash all of the disciples' feet, who am I to say I can't wash one set of feet? If Christ did it, I can do it. It's about humility. I know, I know how it works. Everybody has a foot washing partner. You wash mine, I wash yours. That's how it is. Get it over with. But I'm challenging you tonight in the Holy Ghost. Don't get caught up in what you've always done, how you've always done it. Same person, you always splash water, dry them off and be done and pray a little prayer. No, something has to happen in the Spirit tonight. Humility has to get a hold of you. As you begin to pray for that person, there's some people. It wouldn't hurt you to pray for somebody that you're that you're mad at. Wash their feet. Quickest way to get over being mad is to start praying for them. I'm asking you tonight. We go to foot washing, ladies. Don't just sit in here. I don't know. I don't know what happens as much because I'm in there. And me and every foot washing service I've been in, we prayed to thunder down in there. And I know tonight's going to be no different. Ladies, don't just wash feet and go sit down and chit chat. You want to chit chat? Go out in the foyer. This is prayer. I'm asking you to respect that. You may not want to pray, but there may be some ladies in here that are serious about it and they want to pray. So don't, it's not a time to. Catch up. If you don't want to pray, if you're done, go out to the vestibule or go sit quietly. Same thing for the men. We're going to have a Holy Ghost time here in just a few moments. This is what the Bible says. Likewise, ye younger, submit yourselves unto the elder. Yea, all of you be subject one to another and be clothed with humility. For God resisteth the proud and giveth grace to the humble. 
It's got to be a clear understanding and reverence for the act of communion we're fixing to do. Paul says, Whosoever shall eat of this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of an offense or a sin against the body and the blood of the Lord. Does this mean that only those who are worthy may approach the Lord's table? No. It's not what it means. Because if that was the case, nobody could ever approach his table. Nobody is worthy. Even Paul said that he was the chiefest among sinners. Rather, it means communion must be approached with a clear heart and mind and with a reverence and an appreciation toward the Lord for what he's done. I want us to all bow our heads. We're going to take just a few moments, Brother Darrell Black, Brother Jason Black. I'm asking you to come up here with me. I want you to just take a few moments and begin to talk to the Lord as, as, as you just ask God to examine your heart. Ask God, Lord, if there's anything in my spirit, any unrepentant sin, anything, God, that, 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 that would prevent me from taking communion. God, right now, we're coming to you with a sincere heart and mind. Forgive us of every act, whether, whether ignorant, God, or, or, or willing, anything that would be a reproach against the Lord. I'm asking, God, that you would let purity flow. Let that blood flow. God, Ikoshanda de Dolomo Sataria de la Bake, Ilobotorianda la Bocosheta Yanda la Mahat, Lolomo Sotoria, Kiototo Yeba, Biaki on Dolomosheto, Ilobotorianda de Dalama Sotoria la Bahaye. God, Calvary's calling us tonight to remember you. Calvary's calling us to remember you. Hallelujah. Amen, amen, amen. you would form a line in that if you're going to receive communion in this aisle, that aisle, and that aisle, Brother Jason Black's going to come, stand over there. I'll stand in the middle. Brother Daryl Black's going to stand over here. Please do not partake of communion until everyone has gotten theirs, and I'm up back at the pulpit, and then I'll give instruction uh, going after that.